Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Bringing you the latest from the world of sports, DFS, and gambling. With over five years of hot takes and millions of downloads later, I guess he's been doing something right. Now, sit back and listen to one of the sharpest minds in the game. Here's your host, Dwayne Callender. Welcome to the show, everyone. This is one of my more favorite activities just in terms of game theory and application, and that is Fantasy Premier League. Now, I know some of you are more used to fantasy football, and some of you are more than comfortable with fantasy football, and get offended when we bring up NFL as fantasy football. So, yes, for the EPL purists that are talking about fantasy and are annoyed that I'm describing fantasy football as NFL and fantasy EPL separately, I, I don't know what to do for you. It, like, it is what it is, guys. Uh, uh, we're, we're Americans over here. But the EPL is back. We're going to talk about the EPL season in another episode. I want to focus on the fantasy game just because there are folks that spend months and months doing this. And no disrespect to them. Because it there are various ways you can build out your roster. So just for those who don't know, in Fantasy Premier League, the setup uh, is you have your allocation uh, of players. You're trying to fill up your budget because your overall budget for Fantasy EPL is 100 million pounds. So you can allocate that across your entire roster because you got to draft two goalies, five defenders, five midfielders, and three forwards. So for those of you who are not that astute at math, that's 15 players. Just just so we have that clear. So you got 100 million pounds across 15 players. All the players are ranked by teams. You can have a max of three players on a given team. And again, you have to fill out those individual roster spots. So you can't skip on any uh, any spots. You can punt certain positions with cheap players. That's definitely a strategy. But I'm going to say this, and I'm going to say this clearly. I think this is one of the softest pricing years they have ever done. You can build a stacked roster... And realistically, there is no reason to deviate from what you can actually build out initially. I am not seeing, like, I think a lot of folks are getting themselves way too caught up trying to get cute when the numbers are literally staring you in the face as to how you should be building out this roster. So I'm going to go ahead and do that and just start laying out some basic ideas. So for those of you who don't know, we'll just start at goalkeeper. Those of you who don't know, David De Gea is no longer part of Manchester United. So, De Gea is gone. He's been the long staple goalkeeper for United. He is out of the, out the door now. As like uh like De Gea was let out of his contract, so essentially it's going to be a free transfer to Real Madrid whenever that gets finalized. But like De Gea is gone. In his place. We actually have the first minority keeper for United since Tim Howard. 
whoa, what are we going like fifteen years ago at this point? Like, I, I think it's fifth. It's a good. It's it probably is more than that since Tim Howard was the keeper for United. It, it we might be going seventeen years to be perfectly honest. It, it's a while. It's been a minute. It has been a minute uh, since Tim Howard uh, was in U- United's goal. But we got Andre Onana uh, coming over from Inter Milan, uh, the 27-year-old Cameroonian goalkeeper uh, for the national team, is going to be in net for United. And so there are two things. One, he plays the style that Ten Hag wants because he's going to play the ball at his feet. Two, he's relatively unknown uh, in most parts. He's going to get ownership because it's United. But realistically, the ownership that they're projecting for Onana is under 30% as the highest owned keeper. Honestly, the keeper ownership should be way higher than Onana. You're telling me Onana's going to get ownership at at just under 28%. Yet Ramsdale, and I'm an Arsenal fan. Ramsdale's got Ryan coming in, breathing down his neck on big salary contract salary because Arteta does not trust Ramsdale in high pressure situations. You've got Ramsdale in a uh, gonna be in a battle with David Raya, the Brentford keeper, coming over to Arsenal, and you're telling me Ramsdale's ownership is gonna be twenty percent, and Onana, who won't have competition, is under thirty. And somehow they're at the same price point. This doesn't make any sense. What? Like I don't. United's defense, while it wasn't spectacular, wasn't terrible either. You're going to get clean sheets with Onana. You're going to get got a guy again. Not saying he's better than Ramsdale. What I'm saying is, from an overall standpoint. Who's more likely to get benched or get a rest day in rotation? Ramsdale or Onana? You actually have a keeper who's going to get uh, the majority of the starts without being questioned. It's the same reason why I don't get the Ramsdale ownership. The Ramsdale ownership should be half of what it is, at best. Like, I, I would... I would fade Arsenal keepers, to be perfectly honest, because I think Arteta is actually going to do use rotation because Arsenal is going to have to rotate this squad if they want to compete in Champions League and in the Premier League the way as presently constituted. They didn't do enough signings on that roster, and I will continue to say this because Jesus went down, and it proved exactly my point because they don't have any... Uh, true striking options that they can rely upon, they're going to have to constantly tweak that roster throughout the year. And I think they're going to tweak the goalie spot as well. Don't be shocked if Ramsdale is playing way fewer games than expected because Arsenal has a 1A and 1B keeper. I think that's how it's set up. If you look at the ownership, my next guy in net is going to be Ariola for West Ham. He's 4K. And he's going to be, <laughs> Alphonse Ariel is going to be starting uh, the majority of games for West Ham. He's the number one keeper. He's only at 24%. Somehow, Jordan Pickford is at 4.5 on a worse team in Everton and has 15% ownership. Someone, like, 
y'all have to under like god i tr- i'm trying not to be critical but like this is one of the dumb like again people want to try to use game theory and say oh well the ownership's too high it, the ownership the ownership doesn't mean anything if he's going to get outscored i have a hard time seeing pickford dramatically outscoring areola when they're both going to get save opportunities and Ariel is more likely to get clean sheets over Pickford. Where is Pickford outscoring Ariola while being more expensive? Everton almost it's like Everton almost went down. It, it, it's it's not as though uh, Pickford draped himself in glory. Like like Pickford got an assist last year on a weird season overall. He had to make he had to make a number of saves, which is what helped his score. But if you look at Pickford's numbers over the last three years, uh, we're gonna go over uh, Pickford's last three years in net: one twenty four, one sixteen, one fourteen. And realistically, everyone is banking that. Uh, truth be told, that because of the totals, that at four and a half, it's too cheap to pass up. That was him playing at its best. Now, on the flip side, there's, there, you're going to get the argument that, oh, it's the fear of the unknown. We don't know what's going to happen with some of these other keepers. First of all, you got first team keepers all the time scoring north of 100 points. I'll read off the names last year of keepers that scored quite well last year. So, hold on. I'll pull up the list. Raya, who is now going to be at Arsenal. 166. Five, uh, uh, five price tag. Allison, 5.5. 162. Nick Pope, 157. 5.5. Jose Sa, 5 uh, ownership. 148. Ramsdale, 143. Also at 5. Baron Leno. 142, 4.5. Leno's ownership is half of what you're seeing out of Pickford. Like, really? The the Pickford number is what you're signing up for? Okay, I'll keep going. Martinez, 135, 5 price tag. uh, Like, Debu is is also at 5 again this year. Villa might be better than they were last year. He could actually be in the 150s. But I'm not going to go into the differentials. Fabianski, who is going to be replaced by Areola this year, scored 127 last year. On a, on a weaker West Ham squad last year, Fabianski still outscored Pickford. And you're telling me his replacement is going to be cheaper this year on a better West Ham team? And I know people are saying... Dwayne, how is West Ham going to be better without Declan Rice? All right, here's here's how. Declan Rice cleaned up a lot of things for West Ham defensively. What's going to happen with West Ham? They're going to give up more shots. The saves from Areola will actually correspond better in terms of fantasy scoring, even though that you may still get goals. They were gonna they were gonna concede those goals anyway. But it's actually going to open up for more save opportunities. So from a overall standpoint, defenders for West Ham 
take a hit. Keeper for West Ham, because of the additional shots that are going to be generated, actually gets a slight uptick because, again, they're still keeping clean sheets on bad teams. They are going to give up goals against good teams. That was happening with Declan Rice anyway. I mean, to me, this is more straightforward that, uh, in terms of where I'm approaching it from, but it's it's not like it's it's that big of a shock. So, again, from a goalkeeper standpoint, I, I, I think some of these selections, like, it, it just, this was very straightforward, as far as I'm concerned, as to who you should be selecting from a goalkeeper standpoint. Yes, you could go into other directions, but Onana and Ariola. It's going to cost you nine in salary. You can use that salary to actually pay in other spots. It, to me, this is straightforward. You can pay up, and, and because of the salary you're saving, you can pay up at Defender if you want to, to afford Trippier. Because Trippier outscored every Defender by over 40 last year. Trippier was 6.5 and scored 198. In terms of other players in the game, that scored that high? Here, here's the list uh, of uh, guys who outscored him. Saka, Rashford, Odegaard, Salah. Kane, Holland. That's the list. That's the list of guys who actually outscored Kieran Trippier last year. He was 6.5 in salary. You had to get all the forwards, all the top forwards, and <laughs> and midfielders who were top five. Trippier outscored Bruno. He outscored Bruno. I mean, Bruno Fernandez is one of the top players and most selected players. Bruno got outscored by Trippier last year. Like, like that, that. That's just not. I didn't make it that up. Like that's literally what the stats are. Fantasy scoring wise, Trippier crushed Bruno. Want to know what the ownership is this year? Trippier at thirty at thirty three percent. And if we go, if we go, pull up Bruno. Bruno's at twenty seven. Bruno is two mil higher than Trippier. The guy who got outscored by. The ownership difference on Trippier compared to Bruno doesn't make sense. It it honestly doesn't make sense, in my opinion. Because there are two things people are not taking account of. Like, overall, if you're looking at this, you should be looking at the guy who can bring you the most upside. Trippier, to me, is still the best option defensively in terms of players that you can get on the, uh, on the defensive side. And the guy that, you know, again, who's being, who's being talked up is Gabriel for Arsenal. All right, let, let's go through this. Arsenal last year. Gabriel had three goals scored, which was a big help in terms of his uh, fancy score last year. He had five goals the year before. 
for Arsenal. Off of headers, set pieces. Yes, Gabriel could score. What did Arsenal do this year? They added Timber, who's expected to be more of a playmaker. Gabriel is still going to get opportunities to score. But in terms of additional shot creation, like, I don't think Gabriel is taking as many shots as he, he, you would normally expect. And again, Ben White, more expensive this year. People are pivoting to Gabrielle. I don't. I'm not necessarily seeing how uh, Gabrielle is the same ownership as Trippier. Yes, Trippier is more expensive, but you can get cheaper in other mid in other spots on your team to fit in Trippier. Like to me, like I don't understand. Like Newcastle's offense is not dramatically shifting. Trippier is going to be involved creating offense for Newcastle again this year. Yes, he's expensive. You tell me who is creating the offense at the same level as Trippier that's not Trent Alexander-Arnold, who is eight, uh, who is eight mil. Like, there, there aren't that many dudes. Can you make a case for Chilwell at 5.5? Yeah. Has he shown the production to justify it? No. I mean, it just, you're you're banking on upside that we actually haven't seen. So to me, this is one of those cases where, again, we're overthinking this. Again, you could say it's last year's results and it can't it can't be duplicated. I beg to differ because all Kieran Trippier does for England is cross the ball into the box. Like that that is, that is, like that is his job. He's going to be doing that for Newcastle too. Like the player, their play style is not going to differ. So to me, take the free square and trippier, build out your defensive roster accordingly as to how you see fit. I'm going to tell you how I'm building out my defense, and I'm going to tell you how you're going to uh, make the allocation to fit in everybody else on your roster to make that happen. So more to come after the break. Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. The Fantasy Throwdown Podcast will be right back after our sponsors pay the bills. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back to the show. Hope you got your popcorn ready. All right, we are back. As you may have surmised, I think this is a very straightforward build in terms of the defenders. You know, again, I don't really understand how this guy is not being selected, but I don't really care. Uh, Truth be told that he's not being selected. I I, I think realistically, once he starts featuring on the team, uh, it will be quickly apparent that people should be rostering him. 
But he was the big signing from Leipzig for a reason with Man City. Guardiola is going to be running that offense, uh, fullback wise. Like in terms of what they lost with Mares, uh, I mean, I don't think Gundogan is really as big of a loss as people are making out to be. But that's my own personal opinion. But Guardiola is going to be a playmaker with City now. Again, similar to what we say about Trippier being involved with the offense, I think Guardiola's going to have a very similar role bombing up the field. Like, again, this is what Pep's looking for him to do. He's going to be a playmaker. I think at five, he's easily one of the most underpriced players in the game. His ownership basically being projected under 5%. It's it's borderline criminal. Like, the Trippier told, like... I just don't think people research enough on players, uh, truth be told, because, you know, again, there are some other players that I know deserve to be ranked where they are, but Estupian, who, again, I'm also going to roster, but he cannot be 50% owned, and Gordiel only under 4% owned, and have that make sense. It, like, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't, because if your roster and your last spot is Estupion, and you could have just played Guardia, like, you're not differentiating your roster. You're following the field, so you're you're never going to outpace the field with your roster selection if your last piece was Estupion. Like, it, realistically, yes, he's going to score. And put up numbers for Brighton. He was very productive for them last year. But that's just keeping you in place with the field. Realistically, Trippier would be a better pivot if you can find the cash to get up to him rather than playing a Stupion at 50%. Now, because I'm also having Gordio and Trippier on my squad, I can afford to play a Stupion at 50% ownership. But it's like, you're never going to separate with him on your team. You're just keeping pace with the field more often than not. Now, to supplement that, the two uh, the two remaining defenders that will likely be on the bench for the remainder, it's Rico Henry at Brentford, also a playmaking uh, defender, who scored over 100 points the last two years. Like, always solid. And then we bring back George Baldrock, who... Uh, but uh, a Baldock. I always blank on his name, uh, like how to say his name properly. But Sheffield United is back in the Premier League, in case you didn't know. And if you forgot how they play, they're going to bomb their fullbacks up the field. Of which, he's basically a midfielder, he's not a defender, and he's only 4K. Cheap enough price tag, as long as he's staying healthy, he's going to be more than productive to score you over 100 Somehow his ownership is only 15%. Again, I don't understand how Estupion is over 50% ownership and you have all these other playmaking defenders. Like, you know what? I'm not going to... I've already labored the point. You know, what I'm, you know what I'm getting at. Midfield. All right. Let's talk about this. Because, again, it's not, it's not as blatantly... Um, as blatantly bad. Well, actually, it is. It is pretty bad. 
it is pretty bad. But, um, you know, I'm an Arsenal guy. So I am going to play Saka. But Saka's 60% ownership. Again, I expect Saka to be one of the top uh, midfielders in the entire world, if not the best midfielder. So it makes sense to play. Uh, it makes sense to play Saka. I can make a case for playing Rashford because Rashford's playing out of position and he's still going to be functioning more as a striker. So I can justify playing Rashford at 9K. I mean, 9 mil. The part that I have more struggles with is I'm seeing folks like stipulate you should be building out your roster this way where you're playing Saka, Rashford, and Mitoma, who is at 6.5 for Brighton, who's over 40% ownership. Because realistically, you're you're telling me that a, a, a good way of building your roster is b- playing three guys whose combined ownership is over 150%? You're going to be like in the middle of everyone else. How like how are you expecting to get like you are competing against millions of other people? So if you're playing three guys whose combined ownership of what everyone else is doing is over 150%, how are you ever going to separate your roster? Like I like someone has to make that make sense to me. Like you you have to differentiate at some point in your roster. You can't be playing all three of them up top in your midfield. What are we doing? And I'm seeing this being openly advocated. I'm I'm looking at these like I'm looking at different shows advocating this. This is insanity. I, I already had my rant about a stupid like you you imagine playing all four of these guys? <laughs> like you have, someone's got to get dropped, or you at least have to differentiate your, your roster enough in other parts to at least make this worthwhile. Like if you're eating all the chalk. There's no way for you to differentiate your roster, and and by eating like and eating the chocolate, like someone's gonna be like, oh yeah, but I can play Odegaard with Saka and Rashford. Like Odegaard's gonna be over twenty percent on too. I'd rather you pay up for Salah, which is what I'm gonna do. But like we're we're gonna we're going to talk about the other way of differentiating. Like we already have the other defenders because again. The Guardiola ownership is criminal. So, let's talk about this. We play Saka. We'll make the decision on Saka. Again, I could play Rashford. The way I have this set up, I could play Rashford and take slightly less ownership and have him play out of position. Technically, Rashford might actually be the better play overall, but again, I- I- I'll, let- I'll let some homerism pl- subside for me because realistically, I'm not going to have any Arsenal players if I don't play Saka. Matoma, great play. Was a was a stud last year for Brighton. Going to have even more responsibility this year. Makes total sense. But if you're playing him with everyone else, and again, the triple-up option, and we'll get to that, with Brighton, is going to be very popular. So you're not fooling anybody. If you're going that route, the guy who essentially is getting less ownership than normally you would expect is actually Salah. (laughs) 
Mo Salah is under 30% ownership. And he's he's only 12.5. He's actually cheaper than he was last year. <laughs> like <laughs> I mean, this is actually this is actually bonkers. Like his Salah's ownership was over 40% to start the year last year. And he's under thir- like did did I miss something where where Salah had a a down like Salah still scored over two hundred thirty points like his worst year technically was twenty twenty when he uh, in the pandemic year when he only scored two thirty one. You have someone with three hundred point upside. We we probably won't see that again. J- just to say that, but his upside is three hundred. But he can actually get you somewhere in the two seventies in a good year. Who's going to have less ownership than Saka and Rashford? He's actually having less ownership than Bruno. Which, again, I'm not saying Bruno's a bad play. I'm just saying, with all the other options being so popular, and Bruno being this popular, like, to me, Salah's actually one of the more value plays on uh, on the field. And again, you can still pivot to Eze or De Bruyne. Like they're 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 a riskier place, and I think De Bruyne is a way safer play than uh, Eze. But you know, there the, there's just like there's like a lot of landmines because like to me, again, if I'm looking at this, I would be looking more towards like. Even if you wanted to get different from Mitoma, I'd be looking more towards Eze or McAllister, uh, who's at Liverpool now, in, in case you guys did not know the latest updates, as as pivots. So McAllister leaves Brighton and goes over to Liverpool and may or may not be joined by Cassiedo, like which no one seems to actually know what the hell's going on there, but... You know, summer transfer window can always get crazy. So, but be that as it may. So, as I'm saying, you should not be rostering Saka, Rashford, and Matoma together. Especially when over half of you are playing Estupian anyway. Like, this is just like, this borderline insanity. So, to me, Salah is to play. And then, to round out the midfield spots, we've got two guys that are going to play that... I don't see getting nearly talked about the way that they should be. And Buno, Brian and Buno for uh, Brentford is going to be more than likely playing out of position because in case you forgot, uh, Ivan Tony, who bets on both sides, is suspended for six months. Well, at, well, he was suspended for six months, but it's the most ludicrous suspension because the summer when no one was playing counted as part of the suspension time. Someone's got to make that one make sense to me. In case you forgot, Tony was betting on Premier League and Championship games for over five years. It only got a six-month suspension and missed out on England. Uh, playing it in, uh, like, uh, uh, for the World Cup. And that was deemed to be severe enough for betting on games. But we got NFL players missing entire years for betting about $100 worth of games. Like, somebody got to make this make sense to me. But anyway, be that as it may, in Bruno, in the short term, he's 6.5. He's 
he's more than likely playing out of position and being playing up top at, in a striker or forward forward advancing role in a false nine, maybe. But he's going to be playing more up top rather than being at midfield. So he's going to get more scoring opportunities than expected. His ownership is under 10%. Again, when we got M- Matoma at 40% ownership, and you got Mbuno at the exact same price tag at under 10% ownership, this is where you get inefficient marketplace uh, pricing. Because, yes, I like Matoma, but if I had a choice between Mbuno and Matoma, I'm going to take Mbuno at the lower ownership to differentiate because he's going to be playing out of position anyway, and he's going to be in advanced position the way Matoma is anyway for Brighton at lower ownership. But I can play them both together. I don't actually have to like differentiate. There's ways to get around this. So, and Bruno goes into the roster. And then to round out the squad for the midfield, the other guy that, again, not being talked about, Phil Foden for City. The forgotten man. Everyone's talking about Barris being gone. Everyone's talking about Gundogan being gone. Phil Foden was playing up top for City for quite some time, even before Holland got there. He's going to be able to fit into a role with City very seamlessly with Pep. Pep knows him. He trusts him. He's going to play him. He's going to be in an advanced forward role for City. Like, Holland will draw the attention, as he should, and there will be other folks who can be able to uh, uh, soak up goals because of all the attention Holland uh, uh, drives towards him. Foden should be one of the beneficiaries of that. You'll see beneficiaries in the form of uh, Jack Grealish as well, who's in the exact same price tag at 7.5 and exact same ownership range. But Foden's more of the finishing type, whereas Grealish is more likely to defer for for an assist. But I'm okay with either option. But again, their ownership is way lower than it should be. And I and it, it speaks to just guys just not like reading the situation. The other guy that I want to talk about that no one I don't like again. I see this as very inefficient, and it's the number one pivot I'm making off of Matoma if he doesn't start off strong, or if we get the major news that I'm expecting, or you know if it, if they were thinking rationally, which they aren't, but. If they were thinking rationally, if Tottenham, if Spurs sells Harry Kane, which they should, they're being very stubborn about it and may just hold on to him out of spite. But if they sell Kane, the number one beneficiary of that, everyone's going to flock to Sun. Everyone's going to flock to Sun. And yes, Sun will get a benefit. But. The other guy who's going to get more of a benefit at way less ownership is Richarlison at seven. <laughs> at seven mil. Son is nine mil. Richarlison at seven. Son is going to get all the folks flocking to him. Whereas Richarlison is still going to fly a bit more under the radar. And Richarlison's the more proven striker than Son. Son, yes, he is a creator, but Richarlison's more the striker anyway. If Kane gets sold, Richarlison's a bigger beneficiary, in my opinion, than Son. And he's an immediate pivot off of Matoma or Mbuno 
in terms of if that if that actually goes down in the transfer window. I don't know if it will, just because it's very inefficient what Spurs are doing. But if it does go down, <laughs> this is like this is like just a free square in terms of pivoting and making your roster significantly different and being able to uh, excel. And again, if Foden or City starts off slow in the midfield and you want to get off of Foden or Grealish, just sell down to Richarlison anyway if the Kane sale goes through. Like, you you can make pivots. Or if Madison, like, if Kane stays, that actually that actually gives more of a benefit to Madison's uh, and his ability to make assists. And Madison's at 7.5. Like, there are different ways you can treat this. But, again... Like I, I don't think people are taking advantage of the pivots that are clearly there in the marketplace if certain dominoes fall in the in, in a given fashion. Now, if City makes a big striker purchase, yes, that hurts Foden and it hurts uh, Grealish to a certain extent. But if there's no additional forward signings at the moment for City, Foden's the biggest beneficiary in terms of playing time and goal scoring opportunities because Holland's going to soak up all the attention. Speaking of which, let's get to the forward spot. Holland is over 80% ownership. Like, you can fade him. He's 14. Here's the reason why you don't fade him, because he set the goal-scoring record and scored over 272 points, and frankly, he could have had over 40 goals. If, if, if City was actually playing well last year and not screwing around for the first couple of uh, months... Holland could have had even more goals than he did. That's the scary part about how well Holland played to start the year, even when he was on the goal-scoring streak. Like, Holland could break 40 goals this year. It wouldn't shock me. Now, could he have a sophomore slump? Absolutely. That's why I don't begrudge anyone going for the sophomore slump angle and pivoting off of him, hoping that he doesn't play well, and they don't get buried by him. But to me, there's so many good options at forward. And so many goal-scoring options at forward. Again, I brought I brought up guys playing out of position. To me, you could just eat the ownership at Holland and not get burned. Now, again, you don't have to captain Holland. I probably will because I just think no one has a good answer for him just yet. But we'll see. But... I don't think you need to pivot off of Holland, but I get the play if you want to. I just look at the forward spot and say, you know, when you look at the forwards, you don't know what the situation is with Harry Kane. The next highest owned forward is Ollie Watkins at 26%. And to me, Watkins, while he had a good year, one of the, one of the more inconsistent forward options in the league, I, I'd probably rather have Isak, but again, he was extremely inefficient too. Like if 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 we had more of an idea of how Liverpool was going to set up and play with Darwin and Gakpo, you can make more of an argument. But you know, you don't know how they're going to set up with some of these teams. In terms of the forward spot. That's why Holland's getting so much ownership. Yao Pedro uh, is coming over to Brighton from Watford. And he's the third highest zone forward. This one again. He's only 
this is price play. You can play Pedro and you can play Holland together and you punt forward. That's the reason why Mubama for West Ham, he's going to be uh, playing up top more this year. He's only 4.5. You can punt forward. I don't have any qualms about doing so. There are so many question marks at the forward spot this year as to who's actually going to be relevant. You know, every, uh, you know, you have uh, folks talking up Nicholas Jackson for uh, Chelsea. I mean, Saul Alvarez, always uh, in potential. Like, he could be the guy that squeezes out Foden and some of the others up top, but I don't think uh, Pep wants to play Saul and uh, Holland together. You know, Mitrovic, again, could go on a scoring rampage, but also he could get a red card and, and screw over your team. Like, both things are very realistic scenarios, but there's so many guys in this 7K range that you have way better options at midfield that, to me, the play is to go with the midfield. You can punt more on forward this year than in past years. Now, if we figure out someone who gets hot from the forward spot, then this becomes a way different conversation. But until we get a little bit more data during the season, I think forward's the spot you are more willing to punt on, and you can eat the chalk at forward. I'm not advocating for eating all the chalk at midfield. I think that's kind of crazy how to build it, building it that way. But I've already given you the different pivots, and I've walked you through my entire team, that you should be able to build out a solid roster while not necessarily aiming for uh, being so completely unique and different. I still think you're going to be significantly different than most of the field because I think everyone's just eating chalk and not thinking about the various pivots you can make on these rosters. Anywho, I'm going to wrap it up there. Hopefully you guys got something out of it to help build out uh, your squads. But uh, that's going to do it for me. Uh, Good luck with your fantasy season and whatever leagues you're participating in. And until next time, have a good one, folks. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all major outlets. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.